When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To a special episode of Pit Lane Parlay. Today we are recording our Formula One episode with the Stick to F1 podcast, hosted by Jason Martinez and Anthony Mingioni, both from Philly. Jason was on here, I think, right before the F1 season started. I don't really remember. Yeah, gentlemen, how we doing? Doing Doing great, great, man. Fantastic. Matthew. Uh, that's good. I'm, I'm glad we got two people here that are more about around my age and, and less around your age. Because um, it doesn't look like they're approaching Medicare age quite yet, unlike you. So. Oh, God. Yeah, we didn't even... Clearly we didn't looks are deceiving. Yeah, I was going to say looks are clearly deceiving. <laughs> no, I don't like that. That's the most no, sounded over a French deep brother. <laughs> And I'm 44, so. How do you look all, you know, nice, and then we got the host up there just looking angelic, and I don't even know. Man, we're not even a minute in, and I've already been dumped on, but welcome, Jason, Anthony. This is the running joke that I am the oldest man alive in the history of podcasting, apparently. Uh, guys, for those who want to check out their show, it's uh, the Twitter is at stick. The number two F1, check it out, it's really good. Um, so I'm curious, before we start talking about everything going on, I know you guys are both in, in the hockey media world, that's how I know you before today, and I, and I, with Jason and I talked about Drive to Survive a couple months ago, Anthony, how did you get in, or, you know, how long have you been into the, the racing world, and then how did how did Stick to F1 come up, and I like the, the play on the uh, hockey podcast name, by the way. <laughs> Uh, we were trying to. We were coming up with all kinds of interesting. We, we almost had five lights at one point, but that was obviously taken, uh, right, Jace? There was a few others yeah. that kind of bounced around, and then we just came with stick to F one, and it was kind of a you know Jason had used had used that prior with uh, with, with, with a hockey podcast as well for stick to hockey, and yes, we've had, I've actually tripped over myself and actually said stick to hockey on a uh, on a recording. <laughs> But um, for me, probably in the racing, probably would be my grand my grandfather. He was really he enjoyed uh, he was being Italian American, being Italian American, everything. The Andretti's obviously were the bit were for them. You gotta watch Mario. You gotta watch the Andretti's. So as a kid, I used to watch, and I would always you know jump in on that and uh, and watch certainly the Indianapolis five hundred. Uh, was probably a little too young in terms of F1 because of the fact, when I was younger, because of the fact it was early and I was busy watching Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. And, but for, for me, F1, I've always had, you know, fascination with it. I think probably for me was, you know, I'm probably thinking around 99 or so, I really started like, and I really... 
gravitated towards the the, the Hakkinen uh, Schumacher duel. Uh, watching them, and I kind of I really like Mika Hakkinen. I was a big fan, uh, and I like I like Schumi as well. It was just fun to watch the two of them just battling each other. And watched it for a few, quite a few, so about three, four, four years or so, and I kind of lapsed off of it a little bit. I kind of came back to it right after, right around the time of the 2000, about, honestly, about four years, probably no, well, not five years ago, the uh, the big duel between Rosberg and Hamilton. Go, you know, it's not a bad year. That was a that good was year. A 2016. Kind of jumped, 2016 kind of jumped in right around that point for me, and it was a hell, I mean, Recording the races and everything, and, uh, and and just you know watching the the, the Abu Dhabi race and watching Lewis just backing up, backing up like, and, and just you know getting almost frustrated at Lewis, but understanding the strategy there and everything. And then um, you know part of me is kind of you know with with Mercedes dominance the last you know however many seasons now since then it's been you know I've always had a fascination with the midfield fights, uh, always um, certainly. Um, Watching McLaren's dip in fortune and then resurgence, obviously, within the last couple of years, coinciding with Lando joining. Um, and Drive, interestingly enough, Drive to Survive, I did not start watching until this summer. It was almost like a weird oh, wow. sort of thing where I just did not watch it. It was kind of, no, it wasn't a principle. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm always late on things. I just am. Uh, stuff that everybody has to watch. Well, I haven't watched Drive to Survive in last week. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I kind of went in reverse order. I started with the most recent season, season three, and then it bounced me to season one. And then I, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago, I finished off on season two. Uh, finished up on season two. So I'm I'm fully caught it. up on that. But you know, I, I my brother always laughs and elbows me and says, you know, you always make a big deal about the fact you didn't watch Drive to Survive. And it's like and my brother's big gearhead. My brother's you know he worked you know he loves cars. Uh, my brother Joey, and he, he found it fascinating that I was interested in. I was kind of low-key about it and got much more into it in, in the last few years, so he's been kind of uh, in my ear about it as well. But um, that's kind of how, again, the, the last few, certainly I would say probably since 16, low-key. And then yeah. Jason and I kind of, it was a weird thing. Jason and I just kind of got fell into a conversation about it. I don't know where it happened, maybe a little after, maybe last year, Jace? That we discovered that the two of us were in the Formula One. That we're actually we're both yeah. in the Formula One. Yeah, yeah probably around there. Right. I don't know how it happened. Because all this, all of a sudden, I saw this stick to F1 is following the pit lane parlay account. And I usually ignore when we get new followers, and and then I saw one of you guys retweeted like new episode, and, I, and it took me like a, a couple minutes to put two and two together that it was you guys actually making the episode before it's I the was like, thing again. Yeah, thank you. It takes him a while. Yeah, listen, whatever. I, I wish I had known this many years ago when, when we were at Trend Titans games and there was, you know, eight people in the stands and I didn't didn't really have too many other people to uh, to talk to, but I guess we'll dive right into it. The first news we'll, we'll get through real quick here. Spa Frankerschamp's CEO was killed in a murder-suicide, which is crazy yeah. and very sad. I'm, I'm not going to try to mispronounce her last it's name. Maye, I think it's pronounced the L, especially with the being Belgian. Yeah. I think it's my I think it's pronounced Maye. See, that's that's why we have people smarter than me on, because I definitely would have butchered that one. So hopefully her Mark family is doing well, as well as they can, and 
hopefully Spa has some some nice tribute for her in just a little over or a little under two weeks at this point. It's so but strange too as well, Michael. It's just you had we've had incidents now in the last few years that have happened related. And this isn't related to on the track, but now yeah, you know, you go back to obviously what happened a couple of years, in twenty nineteen. Um, with Jules Bianchi and everything, and it was just—it just—it there's it's a strange thing, and it just always—I love the track. I love Jason and I equally. Just Spa is just there's something magical about Spa, especially you know, Eau Rouge going into Radion, and it's just you know it's just a fantastic. But the last few years, there's just a pall over it. Every, there's something going on that kind of overshadows. Um, yeah, what you're talking about the Antoine Hubert crash. I'm thinking the Antoine. I'm thinking Hubert. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be yeah, honest. Hubert. Right. I'm sorry. I'm going way back. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting my list such a, up. Yeah, such a, a brutal one too, right? Yeah. But like yeah, Hubert's crack is it's like so spread out, right? And it's so fast. And how you come up over a rouge and you and it's just blind into probably what is it the second longest straight probably on the circuit. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about blinding speeds, and yeah, you're right, though. But I, I love the track because so much of the track is always changing at elevation in very severe ways. <laughs> like, they're not, like, lightly graded elevate, you know, rises or falls in elevation. They're very steep. So it's a very different track like that, and, you know, the Bosch Cup chicane is just a signature element after all of that speed through, you know, you know, the third sector three. It's just, it's crazy, and it's a great track, and there's overtaking opportunities. I, I can't wait for the race, um, because I think it's one of those signature ones in the season, but, and, you know, just from the way the race starts off the grid, right into that. I mean, I mean, just a 90-degree elbow, you know, <laughs> and then just everything that ensues after. I think it's just a real interesting kind of old-school track that's so European-feeling to me. Like, Mike, you're a huge, you know, indie guy. Like, it's it's so not like North America racing, right? Yeah, I I mean, over overseas, and I'm sure Matt agrees, it's in my top three... I think we did a top five track ranking not too long ago, but yeah, it's the one North America that really compares is Road America. Yeah, Road America definitely would be the closest, yeah. but the the one, but you know, it's it's by far one of my my favorite Formula One tracks. I did find it interesting, so I was kind of reading. It's the what race was the crazy crash at a couple weeks ago? Is it WEC or Matt? When did Jack Aiken? Yeah, yeah. Jack Aiken. Uh, so former, uh, I should say former Williams driver, I think he might be Williams reserve driver, Jack Aiken was in sports car crash there, I want to say about a month ago and broke his collarbone. It was pretty gnarly. And he said something interesting about finding ways to make it safer, you know, after the Hubert incident and with the, the kind of craziness that's that's gone on there, the last couple accidents that have been up that way is, is not so much doing anything on the right side as you go up the hill and hit the straightaway but actually make the left side a little bit more runoff because if you hit that wall on the left side you bounce right back into the middle of the track so I thought that was something pretty interesting by Jack that I hadn't thought of before 
So I'll, I'll let Matt go first here. Matt, good idea or bad idea, and then we'll, we'll everybody will get a chance on this one. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if that's the right answer. I think maybe, in my opinion, because to my knowledge, currently the track layout right there, the tire wall on the left side. So if you hit a tire wall at a certain angle, it is going to fling you in the opposite direction. So I think I don't know, you know, how much money in reserve Spotfinder Shell has, or just kind of what technology they usually use over there, but. I think, like, a safer barrier would almost work better if you just hit the wall and then kind of keep going at the same trajectory straight instead of being flung back into the track. I think kind of jumping to making more runoff, I think, is a kind of hasty solution because even if there's a lot more runoff there, and I don't know geographically if that would work with the surrounding, if there's, like, a hill, or I don't know what's going on. It's like on. a hill, yeah. I don't know if that yeah. would work. I don't know if it would work, but... Uh, there's still a potential, even if there is a tire wall over there, that even if there is more runoff, you could still get flung back over. So I would look more at the actual wall itself than making more runoff. Yeah, I don't know that you could do more runoff. I mean, I guess you could to some extent, but it is built in an embankment. Like, you see so many, you know, camera angles off the embankment, and people are sitting on that hill. So I, I just don't know. There's like a house there or something, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> That's the weird thing about that track. It's, it's like so Belgium, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where, you know, the, somebody's chateau is up there, you know, apparently the hot tub on the, on the deck, the whole thing. And, but, yeah, I don't know if you could do that. Maybe, I mean, to some extent you could. Would it be, if you're talking about runoff in that area, it's got to be significant, right? And I don't know that there's that much. Um, but you, gotta, you do have to find a way, because everything filters right back into... The, right back in the track. Even if you go off on the right, it's the same thing. You get pushed out. There's just too, there's too much speed to not end up back in the track in any way, shape, or form unless you... And you can't build off more runoff on the right either because it, it falls away. So I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I've been straightening it out a little bit, which I don't think we want to see. No. No. No, that's the unique part about, the, about it too, about that, you know... It's just the trajectory that you're going up, the speed. I mean, Fernando Alonso described it as just being like, it literally is like climbing a 12, it feels like you're climbing like a 12-story skyscraper. You know, that's it's that kind of elevation that's kind of almost under, and, you're, and you have to be at, a, at that velocity to pull. When you get to the top, it's got to feel like you're just floating. Right. It's just, all, you do, all you see literally is you're going up. You just see sky. Yeah. That's that's the description that he's given, uh, Fernando Alonso. He's like, you're just seeing sky. That's, that's usually what I see when I game as well, because I never can handle that corner right, and I end up straight into the wall. I can't wait for you to be in our league. We have an Xbox gaming league, and this is my first... I've been in the PlayStation League until this year, and uh, I think most tracks I'm, I, I might be half-decent on, but Spa, I don't know why in F1, especially in the new in the new game, I really suck. Yeah, half decent. Awful. The tire models. I'm gonna write that one down. Half decent. The tire models were something you had to get used to. I think this year. I know yeah. I had to. Yeah. It, corners that you used to think were flat out are not flat out anymore. Like I found that out in comps real quick. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it was insane. I mean, I've done the just you know from the grid and just spun right into the pit lane around turn one. <laughs> Why am I facing? The wrong way in the pit lane now. <laughs> but it is different, and, and the curbs are so much different, so you have to take them differently. But, um, yeah, that, that's one that it took me a while to be able to run that flat out. 
yeah, I'm still not there, but I've only done it once or twice. I need, I need to. Yeah, yeah you got to do it like a couple hour session. It's gonna be. It's all yeah. muscle. It's like a, like a driver. It's, it becomes just, it's it's muscle memory, and if you you got to have the time to do it, and it's not. I, I find isolated time to do it here and there, but it's like. Mm. Yeah, you just find you find like three days. You go okay for the next three days. I'm gonna spend at least an hour a day on this track and just TT it and just run time trials. Like like I did it with um, Mexico and Spain, and I hated Spain before, but I'm like I watched a couple of videos. And I'm like, you know, this is not that complicated. But hitting your marks on that track without having the curb spin you out is, is hell in high water. So yeah, I just spent like three or four days, and just and by the end of it, I knocked off four and a half seconds off my time. Wow. But getting back you know, to Spa, it's just, you. there is that feeling like it's just, as you're trying to make that climb, and you're even in the game, you, there's a, there is a just a palpable feeling of just like, holy crap, how do these guys keep this thing under control, you feel like... You feel the loss of downforce and the loss of gravity. Yes. And that's I, I can't imagine what it feels like in a car. Mm-hmm. You know, going 200 miles an hour and coming up over that crest, and you already have to be mid-turn when, you, when you're coming over. So I can't imagine what that feels like. It's got to be just unbelievable. That's why we get to sit here and talk about the video game, and they get to actually do it and make a buttload of money. Yeah. No, that's why they make a buttload of money. <laughs> Uh, I, I can't wait for the race though. Like this, this summer break. My, I mean, it's been. I mean, so I was so looking forward to this season and then the month off, and like the season's been so good. Like, find me a clunker that's happened. I, I was thinking the other day, I'm going, okay, eleven races. I don't even know how I'd rank them. I don't. I don't. It was the best one Hungary because you had. You know, a maiden uh, win for a guy and all the circumstance that happened. Maybe. I don't know, but, like, Baku was insane. Like, some of these races have been so good, I'm just, like, chopping at the bit. Not not to mention coming back, and you're coming back, to, you know, from the break with Spa. Spa and Monza and something else. Maybe and then you got, no, you got Zandvoort. You, you get this just crazy, Zandvoort, yeah. just yeah, 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 three different cool. races in a row, three different completely different yep. setups. What you have to have. And what, what are the teams coming back from the break like? That you know we don't know. You know, who's bringing new bids and upgrades? You know, Mercedes might have a few more. Ferrari's going to have some, and you know, Aston Martin and Alpine. What are they? What are they going to do to their cars for the rest of the way? When are they going to turn to twenty twenty two? I don't know. It's going to be yesterday something. Now, say how many businesses has Lance Stroll bought in the? Or, I'm sorry, Lawrence Stroll. How many businesses has Lawrence Stroll bought in the break? Yeah. Probably at least three. <laughs> He's like an intimidating guy when he comes, like, strolling with that white hair, you know? Yeah. Pun intended, or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fully. Yeah, I mean, even just watching him on the, the latest season of Drive to Survive, like, not many people can intimidate you on a TV screen, but watching him walk, I was... Uh, and he says something like, you'll go there, and I, I was like, okay, and then I realized it's like the TV, and I mean, he's he's like... Being in his presence would probably be incredibly intimidating. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I think it's going to be fascinating the rest of the season. I think it's like tea, it's on a tee to just be off the charts great. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, everything we've seen in the first 11 races has been so fascinating. And the fact that Max and Red Bull have the better car but have suffered far greater pain by, by, by bad luck than Lewis has, 
and Mercedes through mistakes is is fascinating that they're you know Mercedes is leading the driver right standings and and the constructors right now. So it's what's going to happen? Who the hell knows? Who, who knows how many races there's going to be at this point? Yeah, yeah. We had Suzuka canceled today. We're we're already down to twenty one of twenty three right now. And then I I was reading. Well, maybe it'll be a doubleheader at Coda down in Texas, and now that's looking unlikely because of new travel restrictions in Travis County, which is where Circuit of the Americas is down in Austin, Texas. So I don't know. Mexico, Mexico is in peril, apparently. Same with Brazil. Yeah, Mexico and Brazil. I I would be okay with doing like. So let's say we get down to 19 out of the original mm-hmm. plane 23. Let's just do four at the secure outer loop. Let's just, like, let's just go balls to the wall. He doesn't and, want yeah. that. I can uh, tell you that he does not want that. Yeah, no one else, none of the drivers, maybe the drivers would want like one or two, but like four, like, yeah, I know I'm asking for a lot on that one. Well, I mean, there's some things you can do. You can go back to Mugello. You can go, there's some other places you can go back to. Um, and, and looking at the calendar, like they're in Saudi Arabia at Jeddah. Uh, and that open week, I, I guess it's in November. Yeah, you could you could probably do secure in there, or just go back and do another race in the regular Bahrain circuit. I don't know what's wrong with that. You know what I mean? It kicked off the season. Do another one late in the season, and if you want to do two there, then then do the regular, you know, Grand Prix circuit and do the the outer loop again, the secure Grand Prix. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I would be too. If that it Red Bull would be a monster, by the way, on the outer loop this year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, with their straight line speed this year, they'd be unreal on that track. I mean, selfishly, I think if Marion County doesn't have any restrictions, they could always just do the race in Indianapolis. I think it's still got its grade one. It does. I just confirmed last week. So, um... I think, I think that's unlikely at this point because of all Well, I know it's incredibly unlikely, yeah. but yeah, I just think the idea of be awesome though. <laughs> like, doing a double header somewhere seems like a cop out to me. I just think it's kind of a save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready to spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com. For all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or Padel, as it's called in North America. This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! 
Tampa. Not a lame idea. I think Bahrain would be cool just because there's so much time between race one and race two versus yeah. just doing like two races at Coda back to back. Just I don't I don't necessarily get the vibe from those. So my quadruple and, header is is not a good idea. Well, that would be kind of fun just because that would be complete anarchy for four weeks in a row. Well, we saw the two in a row at Austria, yeah. and it was dominated by Red Bull on both. Of them. Yeah, and that's just like, like fifty points to max, which I feel like kind of inflates it a little. But think about last year; they did they did back to back at Silverstone last year. They did the British Grand Prix, then they did the seventieth. Lewis drove the literally drove the wheels off for the British Grand Prix. Then, then Max won the 70th. So, uh, the, first, I, the first one was good. The, the one where Lewis lost his wheel, that was a good race. The second one where Max won wasn't as good. Like, and, and I think the same thing with Austria, not so much this year, but last year when they did the double. Like, the first one, Austria, the first one last year was bonkers. Yeah, the second one, eh, not as much. And same thing with Silverstone. This year... Both the Austria races were actually pretty decent. They weren't. They were they okay. I would, the yeah. shocker for me this season that ended up being good was Paul Paul Ricard delivered an actual real race yeah. this year. Yeah. Jason and I were stunned watching that race and going, "I guess it is capable of, of having a uh, of a, of having a good race." Yeah, that was Road America weekend. I was kind of bummed. But well, that's the thing, though. Like, no matter where they race this year, it's going to be good. It's because because the cars are closer. Yeah, I think the only... I was looking at the schedule and you said that there wasn't a clunker on there. I think the only one that kind of... Well, I mean, Monaco's Monaco. But, uh... Yeah, exactly. Spain, I th- if I remember correctly, I think Spain was the greatest race in the world. But that's because Mike and I agree that Spain is the... Not counting Monaco, is the second worst venue on the calendar besides Sochi. Uh, why is it... Wait, I mean, like, Sochi, to me, why is it such a, sh- a crap track? Because... It's got, like, every element. It's got high-speed corners, low-speed corners. It's got a great, long, straight DRS zone that starts off sector three. Like, I don't know why it's so bad, but it just hasn't produced any good races. I guarantee this. Mark this down. Mark this on the tape, like they used to say back in the day. Sochi will deliver a good race this year. Now now that they're heading to St. Petersburg in two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it just doesn't flow. You know, it just it's just missing the it factor. Whether it's in the middle of the Olympic Village and they kind of just... It's designed around it. It's designed yeah, it's around it. It basically, it, it, is, yeah. it is what it is. It's designed you know around what it. You know what it lacks? It, it hasn't seen a good race. Right, Mercedes has not hit everything. Exactly, and I think if you've got a more competitive race... Uh, and it, since it's come back, it'd be a different story. It would have, it might get the same, like Paul Ricard even, you know, just has that sort of, had that rep for, a, you know, a few times. That, that, that because he hadn't seen a good race. He hadn't seen a good race yet. You know, so. you think of the, the two moments in Sochi that stick out out of, what, the nine years they've done it or whatever. The two that stick out is Raikkonen hitting Botas with a few laps to go yep. when Botas is still at Williams. And then it was Kvyat's last, jo- last race with Red Bull where he hit Vettel twice and the span of 500 yards. <laughs> I, I, I like when Kvyat hit Vettel at uh, China. <laughs> yeah. It just came... He called him, what did he call him, the torpedo? Yeah, the torpedo! That's where it was born. He came in like a torpedo! It just came busted up the inside. It was like, dude, there's Is that the race where he confronted him at the yes. or whatever? Yes, it was the easiest one in the room. That's like, the best well, one I've ever. Position, so... <laughs> It, it was there. Like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to lift? <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, I'm a researcher. I'm I don't lift. Uh, yeah, I might be that though. Where? Well, yeah, there's a there's been a deep conversation about William. Oh, no. about Williams. No, I have not seen that. Hang on no, a second. I got no, that. Was, I've heard some. some he's he's some a little he's down. Yeah. He's a little further down. He's a further down the list. Either that, or if let's say Mick, if Mick, you know, because that's not nailed down yet. That's still not nailed down yet. I, I could easily see Mick. He was in Alfa Romeo's. You know, he was he he kind of floated in and around there. I know Lawrence Barreto had mentioned Fiat as as an option uh, yeah. for for Williams, and it's been discussed. But yeah, if you had, I, I would I would love to watch Fiat and Mazepin. Oh my <laughs> god! So uh, Alberto George tweeted on July thirtieth of twenty sixteen. Fiat to IndyCar. This guy's needs out of F one. Hashtag German Grand Prix. I unfortunately don't remember what he did during the 2016 German Grand Prix, but our buddy George is the first pop-up that I got when I typed in Kvyat IndyCar on Twitter. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, George. Thanks, Thanks George. The latest. Now you're looking at top tweets. You gotta look yes. at the latest. With, with Grosjean finishing P2 last week in India, there's going to be this rush to get every F1 driver that doesn't have a seat over to to Indy now. So Albon was, of course, at the race last week, and yeah, I do have to say, so I, so uh, Shannon and I bumped into Albon. We were actually walking around where the NASCAR garages were to find IndyCar. And we were trying to avoid some some people, and and went a different way, and then bumped into Albon and his manager. Who, by the way, that man needs to wear some sunscreen because he was as red as my shirt after one day. But so I, I went to Alex and said, "Hey, man, do you have five minutes, three minutes, just to chat?" And he was like, "Yeah, super nice dude. You know, some of these F one guys come over and they're very quiet, like Christian Lungard. Like he was, he came off a little Alex Rossi." When Alex Rossi first came over, like, quiet, super cocky, didn't know if he really wanted to be here. Mm-hmm. Albon came over, and he was chatty, and he, he chatted with literally everybody, everyone in every series, and stopped to sign and talk to fans, and, and I was very impressed, because I, I didn't, I was hoping to run into him, like I did, and I didn't expect to actually get a, a little bit of a conversation out of it, so it was, it was good to chat with him and see how friendly he is, and I don't know if Matt has anything on well, strategies for the sim. No, I'm still just reading cops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still researching Kavia to IndyCar. The, the, uh, a disgruntled fan who, as Jimmy Johnson so lovingly put to us, doesn't he doesn't care what these people think. Uh, this is in response to Johnson causing a red flag in practice at Nashville. Person commented, rinse, repeat, give him out of IndyCar and give that seat to Danny Kavia or Nico Hulkenberg or any other F1 driver who's available. Well, yes, I would definitely it. trust Danny Kavian to not bring out a red flag into D-Car. 100%. <laughs> Could you imagine him at, like... Could you imagine him driving around the streets in Nashville? I don't want to imagine him oh going God. anywhere above 180 miles an hour anywhere. Well, it's funny because, like, people... Because Roman came in, came in second last week that... Oh, you know, they disrespected him at F1. I mean, that dude... And he had one of the most horrific crashes last year at Bahrain. But that dude had more lap one, turn one, two, or three accidents than anybody I've ever seen. Like, he was constantly playing bumper cars. 2012, it was like four or five at least in one season, wasn't it? Is that when he got the race ban? 
Yeah, because the spa. So I know in like the first race in Australia, he got flipped in spa when he flipped over Alonso. No, that was twelve because that was Hamilton's last year with Logan. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, both the Saubers were involved, which is sad. Maldonado jumped the start. That that whole yep. sequence was just horrendous. Um, he's, it was always just kind of yeah. boneheaded, you know, breakdowns of thought and, and things going into areas and just creating too much too much contact. And and there were significant crashes. He would just take guys out every week. And he was also seems like a nice enough guy and everything. And Jason, I think he was also year, the, uh, the the drivers. What are the drivers' association presidents? Yes. To yeah. boot, and it's like, good example there, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy to see how far he's come. Now he's competitive and one of the nicest dudes I've ever talked to, hands down. Yeah. So he's he's definitely worked hard to improve his race craft. Uh, so we'll wrap it up with one final question here as we just approach the half hour mark. Jason, you predict you were the only other person other than me, I think, to predict Verstappen as the champion before the season started. So who is our are you sticking with Verstappen as your season champion and we'll we'll give Anthony a chance to, to make a pick here. Uh, yeah, I, I think I picked wrap that up too, Mike before preseason testing. Yeah, before I think they even had testing. Right, either right before... Yeah, I think we talked like two weeks before preseason testing. Yeah, um, and, yeah, I'm definitely sticking by it because I think that two things. Number one, they've had the better car through the first 11 races, although Mercedes has closed the gap. I think that two things will be in play that will help him finish the job this year. Number one, I think Red Bull will allocate more in-season upgrades resources to dethroning Mercedes more so than Mercedes will do to protect this championship. Yeah, that's number one. And I think they're just starting off with a better race car. Um, not only that, but I think that Max is the is the better driver right now. Just from, I mean, he, he is so at the top of his game from a driving standpoint. And I think Lewis has been lucky. And that some of the Anthony and I talked about this on, on last episode. Mm-hmm. Some of the mistakes that Lewis has made have not cost him nearly to to the detriment that they should have. Like what happened at Emola when he put it in into the gravel, going on the outside in, in in some wet conditions. And then what happens? Russell collides with Bottas, and then he gets off the hook. He's able to finish P two. But he should have been at the back of the field there and been trying to salvage a race. Didn't happen. Yeah. So I, I think that. You know, it, still a lot's going to have to go right, and Red Bull right now, and Max in particular, is going to turn some luck around. He's got some bad luck. And whatever you feel about what happened at Cops at Silverstone, Max had a part in it because he wasn't backing off and Lewis wasn't either. How they come back after the break um, and, and decide to, to manage the season, we'll see who manages the season and who just throws balls away. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I don't know that either guy's going to manage it. They're both going to be unrelenting because they're going to look at it as a sign of weakness of whoever lifts first. So uh, I'll stick with the max pick. Um, I didn't know the car was going to be this good before preseason testing. I really didn't. And maybe I'm just willing it because I want a new champion. But um, I, I think he will finish the job and Lewis will end up finishing second. And not only that, but I think that as soon as 
announced that George Russell's taking the seat from Bodas, you're going to have a guy not as motivated on that Mercedes team. And That's a delicate balance, though, Chase. On that Red Bull team to drive strategy. Chase, I think it's a, they're in a very... I know they said they wanted to address this thing in the summer, and we're getting... The hour's getting late in terms of that, but there's still time. I think there's pen to paper. There's been some reports that there's actually been pen to paper for George. It just hasn't been... There's just something there's to around They don't want to lose him completely, Boras. You know? They, yeah. you want to, they want him, especially if you make that publicly. That yep. could really kind of take the starch, and they're ahead. I do wonder if they were behind in the standings, if Max didn't have his run of luck at Silverstone and at um, and and at the Hungara Ring. I think you might have heard you might we might have heard something already, but they have been yep. very tight lipped. They're ahead in the standings, and I think there is a sort of a delicate sort of balancing act that they're doing here, and we may or may not. This may be a case where they need to see. The season as it progresses along here, and it may be depending on wherever the standings are at that point. But to answer my question, I was at the beginning of the season. I I needed to see what you know. I knew Max was, was ended on. We all knew he ended on a high uh, last year at Dominated. Abu Dhabi. Dominated Abu Dhabi and had great moments. Um, and I felt pretty confident in him this season. That he was at the least what Jason and I had discussed, or you know, before the season started was, I just want to see a good competitive race. I want to see a competitive battle at the top. You know, we've had several years here where it's literally by the time we get late in the season, things are determined, and we're all focused yeah. in on the midfield, which is fine. And I love midfield fights. I genuinely love midfield fights. But you want to have an actual battle at the top of the chain. You do, and we've had that. And Max has impressed me. He really has, um, and I think had he not had a run of bad luck, we he 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 could very well be in the in the typical Lewis position of, of, of calling this. But I think he you know he comes back. I think the break happens at the right time for him to, that allows him to sort of sure. the intensity of it, especially after what happened. Those things happening on, on top of one another at the same time, uh, and just having the opportunity here to kind of take a break, come back, and then begin to really lock it in here. Uh, at Spa, and again, he's got Zandvoort coming up as well. You know, Dutch Grand Prix for the first time in ages, so he's going to kind of feel it too, Max. And Max is going to have to right. have to control that, and that's something that you know well, Lewis could potentially use that that over. You're going to get booed. He, 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 yeah, he's going to get booed, and, he, and, yep. and listen, I never, you'll never get me to count out on, on, on Lewis Hamilton. Just he's he's, he's had too many. He, yeah. he has the ability to it's fight. Like betting against Scott Dixon, it's just never a good thing to do. Precisely, and I'm not betting against them. I think this is a race that goes late into the season, but I do think in the end, as long as Max limits Silverstone moments uh, and things that he can control. The thing is, I look at Ungaro Ring as something he really could not control, whereas Cops was something that was kind of equal, more of an equal situation. He's got to realize he's in the faster car, and he doesn't have to win lap one. And he's never been in this spot, too. And Jason, he's not been in this spot either, too. Yeah. He's still young. He is 23. There is a maturity about him, though, that's different than a 23 to 24 year old. And I think he's going to dominate the sport for a long time after Lewis, you know, when Lewis hangs him up. The the other fascinating part is Lando Norris, Charles Leclerc, and Sainz. Like those three guys. And I mean, Lando Norris has been so good this year. So good qualifying races. I mean, he, he had bad luck, obviously, at, at the Hungaro Ring as well. But 
and what Ferrari has been way better than I thought, and I, I guarantee there's some upgrades coming on that car. What they're going to be in this next part of the season is going to be fascinating too. And then the Monza too, and Ferrari if they're you know running good again, forget it. That's all. Didn't having Ferrari run yeah. good at Monza is rare. Yeah. But it's awesome. <laughs> they didn't say, well, Jason, I know they didn't say when exactly. They didn't anticipate, I think, Bernardo said it. I don't think they, they knew it wasn't going in immediately at yep. Spa. Could they race to try to get it by Monza? Maybe, but they, they, I almost got the feeling that even then. It, it sounds like something that's going to happen after the, the next stretch of three races. But you never know. Monza would be like, you know, typical Italian flourish, da-da-da-da. Yep. <laughs> I agree. I think it'll be good. Um, anyway, gentlemen, I appreciate the time, and it's been fun chatting Formula One with other people who, who live near me, since there, there aren't too many Formula One fans in Philly, so at least it feels that way, so I appreciate the time. Guys, again, it's at Stick2F1, the Stick2F1 podcast. I appreciate the time. We'll have you guys back on again towards the end of the season. We'll do another one of these, and... Maybe it's Talk a little about Verstappen winning the yes. drivers' championship. Yes, I'm thinking about Lewis. By the way, that's uh, Lewis. Lewis. I'm sticking with Verstappen, <laughs> like I picked in the preseason. But anyway, guys, thank you again for for listening. There obviously is no F1 this week, but IndyCar is at Gateway, so make sure to tune in on that on Saturday night. And guys, have a lovely weekend. Thanks, guys. Coming up on Five Minute News. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.